Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Roy, you and I have talked about it for years. Lavelle's been around the game for decades. A hitter trying to break out of a slump is one of the great mysteries of baseball. It feels like baseball has slumps that are different than in any other sport because it's such a mental game. And now we know the solution. If you have a young hitter in a slump, pretend you're going to send him down, call him back 12 hours later, and everything is going to work out just fine. It's worked out with Jose Miranda. On We're talking here on Thursday. <laughs> on Wednesday, Miranda turned around a Josh Hader fastball for a game-winning walk-off three-run home run, uh, a remarkable moment in this season. Uh, so let's let's start with Miranda. Let's start with why he's got it going, what his future looks like, and let's start with Roy. You guys will recall um, when he first came up, and he was hitting, you know, uh, he was under the Mendoza line. I don't know where he was hitting a buck 80 or, or, you know, whatever it is. And I, and I said to, uh, to you all and everybody listening, this guy is going to hit. I had never seen him before. I didn't say, I, I hadn't seen him hit in the minor leagues. You know, he has the great numbers in double A AA and triple A. And I had, uh, I was not basing it on the fact that he had conquered double A and triple A. That, that meant very little to me. What I saw uh, when he first came up, was just his tremendous hands. He's got tremendous hand action at the ball, and and um, he is unique in that he's a uh, a power hitter that uh, swings the big end to hit the ball wherever it, wherever it's pitched, and that it's not just one one swing. The mechanics of his swing is all the same. But it's not the same depending on where the pitch is and what the speed is and what the tra- trajectory and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so impressed with his – when he lands on his front foot, he's in really good position to hit all the time. And, you know, sometimes it, you know, it, it, in hitting, you don't, sometimes you don't, you don't square it up. But those hands are working to square the ball up as well as anybody's. And, and what I liked about him, even though he was hitting a buck 80 or whatever it was – is that the reason he was making outs was not because he was striking out, not because he looked overmatched. He was anxious. He was he was going swinging at balls early in the count that were tough pitches, either tough pitches to hit or pitches he wasn't necessarily looking for, and you know big league pitchers he had never seen. But man, did I like his his mechanics and his hands, and I think this is just the natural progression. I think he's got a terrific upside because I think he can just flat hit and he knows it. Lavelle. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it was, it was a swing and miss a strike one fall off strike two. Now you're on two in the hole. His big strike zone is even bigger. And uh, he was just getting himself in a lot of trouble. Um, he just needed some time to kind of calm down and be a little more selective. He's still aggressive. I mean, he still attacks early in the count. There's there's a little more discipline going on with him, and it's doing wonders. Um, 
but he had these traits. He showed these traits throughout the minors, not striking out a lot, drawing walks, hitting for average. I mean, he hit 344 last year with 30 home runs. Um, you know, that's a that's a very good sign. Um, and he's got a flair for the dramatic now. He's got two walk-off homers, so he's not crumbling in big situations, which is another good trait for him. Um, I think it's just uh it's incredibly impressive that uh, uh, this guy's been able to turn around because it looked like he was going to need some time in the minors. But ever since he spent 24 hours as a St. Louis, uh, St. Paul Saint, um, he's come back to the majors. He's hitting 368, 368. Uh, I'm sorry, 348. He's got OPS over a thousand. So um, when he gets to the plate, I think he's going to get a hit, you know, uh, just like I think Luis Arise is going to get hit every time he gets to, goes to the plate. So I'm at the point now where I think maybe the Twins should send Byron Buxton down for 24 hours to see if he steps out. Just <laughs> <It's> eight <laughs> hours. Just send him down for like six hours and just bring him yeah, right okay. back. Yes. Yeah. A day, a day he's not going to play anyway, right? A day you're, you weren't going to play him. Just send him to St. Paul for a day and see if they're res- m- miraculous restorative powers to one of the rivers over in St. Paul or whatever. Or maybe it's the suddenly- green line. He has suddenly played every day now. I mean, he, he was in, he played the, every game of the Texas Rangers series, and he lost two out of those three games. Um, well, what's, I, maybe he's and what's funny, Lavelle, is when they were playing him like two out of three days and and being really careful with him and not DH him and not pinch hitting him. He his OPS is over like around a thousand. Now that he seems to be healthy enough to play every day, he's in a terrible slump. It just which it doesn't ha- we don't have to read anything into that. It might not mean anything, but it is a, a, a strange uh, juxtaposition. It is weird. And the crazy thing is, too, is that he's he's having good at bats. He's just not having a positive outcome at the end. Uh, he battled yesterday against Devin Williams. That was a hell of a bat. I think it was like an eight-pitcher bat, fought off a couple t- uh, tough pitches, took a, t- a couple of Colts pitches, but Williams got him on a filthy changeup. That man, that kid's got stuff and uh, and struck him out. So I, I don't – it looks like he's seen the ball, okay? It's just not, it's just not working right now for him. So – uh, but I would imagine that once he figures things out and gets going again, pictures are going to pay. And and I, Roy, what you were saying about Miranda, I think is right on point. It goes to the old, the very old school baseball word hitterish. Miranda is one of those guys. And even if you aren't capable of analyzing a swing or a, a stance the way Roy can, you look at him and you go, okay, this guy, this guy knows how to hit. Yeah, hitterish is the right term. There's, uh, you're you're absolutely right about that. It, it, he stands in the box and, and and it commands your attention. He stands in there, and whether he swings at one or takes a pitch, you go, "Hey, wait, wait a minute! I, I, I think I want to watch this." Uh, he he is one of the guys now on the Twins uh, that I will um, I will make sure that I'm uh, around if I'm not doing if I'm not in the booth and I'm watching at home. Uh, I'm not going getting up to get a beer during his at bats. So, I mean, I, I watch every, <laughs> I, I watch every pitch because I have, I have that that expectation as well. And to Lavelle's point about um, you know being aggressive and you know early in counts and stuff, that's a good thing. Um, I I hate the term work the count. The only time you work the count, it, the way you work the count, is by hitting fastballs down the middle on the first pitch. And if they're not down the middle on the first pitch and it's on the corner somewhere, take that one. You know, that's not working the count. That's working, you, you know, with your plan. And what I love about him is that he goes up there and, and uh, you know, like, as LaBelle and I were both saying early on, he was swinging at everything. He was swinging at the first pitch no matter where it was. 
Mm-hmm. And now if he's swinging early in the count, it's because he's getting a, a fast, a good fastball to hit or a hanging breaking ball and, and, uh, or else he's taking it. And, and that's, you know, that's a sign of a, a when a good hitter starts doing that, then you start seeing thousand OPSs. That's, that's the way it works. Good stuff. The lineup is Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal III, and myself, Jim Suhan. Roy, of course, former Twins star, now a star analyst for Valley Sports on the broadcast. Lavelle, uh, Star TV columnist. That's what also what I do. Our producer is Brian Burdett. Appreciate listening to TalkNorth.com. You can find all the shows in the archives at TalkNorth.com. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It is easy. Uh, you might want, if you like golf, as I know Roy does, you might want to listen to my blocked and muted show this week with the uh, local pro Roger uh, Farrenkrug from Braemar. He had some, he has seen some things about uh, regarding Tiger's recovery that I don't think anybody else has seen. Uh, so check that show out if you like golf, and check out all the other new shows. Tons of stuff. Uh, Blois Olson, Dave Lee, uh, and the usual sports lineup, including uh, John Krasinski and Cheryl Reeve. So let's get to. Uh, you have Miranda tearing it up. You know, Larnick will be back eventually. Karoloff is making himself more of a fixture. Uh, Buxton's playing pretty much every day. What happens if and when Miguel Sano gets ready to come back? He's had a few games over in St. Paul. Uh, hasn't really done a lot other than maybe one double. But he's he's on the horizon. He might be two or three weeks away. Lavelle, let's start with you. Well, we were talking about uh, how Jose Miranda has surged. Well, over his last 15 games, Alex Kirilov is also hitting 347 yep. with a 982 OPS. Okay. Uh, both these guys are hitting. Um, Luis arises at first. Um, currently, there is no room for Miguel Sano <laughs> to get any time on this team. Um, I think if he if he if he gets let's say he gets called up in a week, he's like a uh he's like an occasional player. He's a part-time player. They may fire him out against left-handed uh starters. Uh, you know, maybe give Rochelle will break a third if they want him to try him there or 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 a DH. No, no I don't no, see him no. playing third. No, no, and well, no. <laughs> how's he gonna play? I mean, how where's he gonna play then? Is DH only? He's gonna, he's gonna he's gonna DH against left handers when um Gary Sanchez catches and they'd re- they're gonna give him a shot rather than you know, rather than Ryan Jeffers or 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 maybe against a, a right hander when he if they'd r- rather see uh, him in there give a shot rather than rather than Jeffers since Jeffers hits left-handers better also. So, but I mean, he, I, who are they gonna who are they gonna send out? I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, you, Lavelle, you know it. you know about you know about roster things, so you have to tell me how you know who he's gonna replace. I've learned through the years that when you start trying to look two weeks down the road, as far as when this guy yeah. gets healthy, who's gonna be off the roster? These moves somehow work themselves out. By the time Miguel has a couple weeks under his belt, uh, someone will pull something or maybe someone goes into a horrible slump, but uh, it, will, it will make it easier for the transaction to be made. So I try not to get wound up about um, a guy who's just starting his, was it 20 days for a rehab assignment? Yeah. Something like that. I, I try to not get wound up about a guy who's just beginning a rehab assignment and what it's going to look like, look like at the end uh, because the circumstances could be totally different for the major league team by the time he's ready to join this club. Yeah. And that's what Rocco was could, saying. Could be, could be, but that's the, that's the, you know, depending on how you look at it, it's the best case scenario where, Oh good. We don't have to, we don't have to make a tough decision here. We got somebody hurt. So Sano comes up, but it's, it's as likely to me that uh, the things are in similar 
uh, condition it roster wise in 20 days or however many days it's going to be. And I just, I think it's, I think it's a problem. <laughs> I think it's an issue. They can't, yeah, we'll, you know, you we'll can't see. send Celestino out. I mean, saying, no. well, we got, you know, because they get the only replacements are a bunch of left-hand hitters and the kids have done pretty well against, against left-handed pitching and, and has acquitted himself well, you know, in center field or wherever he's played. So it's tough to, I mean, the first thing you say is, well, Right-hand hitter for right-hand hitter. We'll just we'll use uh, we we'll use Sano instead of Celestino, but you just you lose so much versatility, and you wonder. I mean, Sano's going to have to hit a ton in order to make that work. So, I mean, I just I, I get your point, but I think the I think the tougher thing is I'm not going to get wound up about it either. I I promise you, but I I just think that it's uh, it's likely that it's that we're going to I'm going to ask the same question of you in two two and a half weeks. <laughs> okay, I got you. Um... Here's our Patrick Royce tried to uh, interview Sano a couple of days ago and Sano declined an interview request. So I don't know if that means he's he's in uh, black mama mode right now. He's got he's just got the blinders on trying to get back or if uh, if that means some, that's something else. But um, the other thing about Celestino, one, he's actually he actually played very well uh, yesterday against the Brewers Two, um, they need to keep him around because because uh, of Buxton, because Buxton probably still needs some DH days. And Celestino could go in and play center field. I'd rather see Celestino out there than, than Nick Gordon. Well, Nick can play out there, but um, he's not, he doesn't have the history as an outfielder that Celestino does. So, um, like I said, it's it, right now, today's date is July 14th. Uh, it's Bastille Day, I just realized. And uh, there doesn't appear to be a fit for Miguel Snow on this roster. What about bu- just so, uh, you're, so you're so you're so you're guillotining him? Yes, uh, on Bastille Day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Poor Miguel. <laughs> I knew the show would always eventually devolve into French history. It's just where we were always headed. Um, uh, what about just? And I'm not recommending this because Garlic has been very good against left-handers. But what could you just bump Garlic to the minors and and replace him with Sunil? He's out of options, I believe, right? Like is he? Okay. Is? Okay, well, that, that's, that, that's that, problematic, I believe. That, that kills that. Too. You don't want to lose garlic. No. Would no. they just Would they just cut snow? Say, okay, you're healthy. We don't have a spot for you. You're gone. Ooh. That's, um, that's interesting. I think uh, if he comes back in the next uh, – if he comes back in two weeks, that's 14 days, um, the Twins could try to trade him to someone for maybe an A-ball player that's not on a 40-man. And just try to get something in return. Yeah. I don't know. I just think you know, I think the I think too many players have passed them by and the organization wants to move forward and they need flexibility. And um although you know uh, Arise is not you know the prototypical first baseman, but my goodness, you cannot keep that bat out of the lineup. Um he was one of the reasons why uh they kind of uh they kind of treaded water for a little bit in the first half instead, I mean during the first month instead of sinking. Because uh, Rocco realized the offense wasn't clicking, he had to get a rise in the lineup every day, and he's responded. So, I just it's right now he's just not a, a fit. So maybe you come up with a, some sort of way to end a relationship. Maybe it, it takes a trade for whatever you get or whatever you could get, or does it take him being put on release waivers? It's uh, it's, it's tough to think, uh, tough to look ahead to something like that, given all the hype and that came with him being signed and the promise he showed, but you know, you could only take so many strikeouts and so many times getting beat by average fastballs 
until you say we got to look at a different person. Well, Val, you know that the only way to end a relationship in baseball is a Derek Jeter gift bag. I mean, that's got to be the way to go <laughs> out, right? Like, what would be in a Twins gift basket to say no? <laughs> uh, it would be a discount beef jerky, maybe. I don't know. Uh, 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 next, uh, a knee sleeve, sleeve for his knee, a sleeve for his elbow, uh, <laughs> a jock strap. What? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we're getting silly. We're going to thank our sponsors right now. Thanks to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, thanks also to Perfect Ash. Lavelle, tell us about Perfect Ash. Yeah, Perfect Ash is located in Invergrove Heights. It has over 300 different models of cigars for you to choose from and a wonderful lounge with many leather chairs and many televisions to sit there and watch baseball. I was there yesterday uh, trying to get some work done. And after we found out what channel the Twins game was on, we were able to watch the second half of the Twins game. And I was able to do it with a relaxing uh, Fuente Double Chateau Maduro cigar. So, and check out the Perfect Ashes Golf Tournament on September 26th at Hastings Golf Club. There'll be prizes and a reception back at the Perfect Ash following the event on September 26th. And I'm proud to announce that the Chin Music Podcast will be sponsoring a hole at the Perfect Ash Golf Tournament. So uh, come on out. To, uh, come with your baseball questions. I'll be happy to answer them while we're both smoking a cigar and playing bad golf at the Hastings Country Club on Monday, September 26th. Beautiful. By the way, we will have a music moment at the end of the show. We're going to start doing that because we're all big music fans and like talking about guitar playing. For right now, let's ask this. Uh, It feels like this is the rare season where we don't have to sit around talking about all-star snubs. Arise deserves to be there. Buxton, I think, deserves to be there. I don't think we need to make a grand case for anybody else. Or am I wrong, Roy? Is somebody else you think should have made it? Uh, what's uh, what's Duran's status? Oh, is he? Is I guess he, he could still he, be added. Yes, he could. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would make a case for um, whatever pitcher in the league has the highest number of um, highest uh, MPH in the, in the game should probably be at the all-star game. And, so I, was just, I mean, I just, I, I, I think he's, uh, he probably hasn't pitched enough in, um, you know, high leverage situations, closing out games in the night, you know, time after time after time, uh, the way most uh, pitchers of, of his ilk would be selected to the all-star game. But, Holy cow! I mean, you can't ask a whole lot more than of this kid, and and I just think, I just think National League hitters ought to ought to see a steady diet, 103 miles an hour, <laughs> and, see, and see what and see what happens. That's what a game. The All Star game is being played now. You have a couple starters, you know, maybe pitch the first four innings, and next thing you know, you got reliever, 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 reliever. Um, so why not bring a couple flamethrowers there? You know, Duran has been pretty much unhittable. Um, I know ZRA. Is that where's the ZRA right now? Um, his ERA is 248, one eight, and that's basically oh, okay, like yeah. like just two bad outings, you know. Um, he's averaging 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, he's got the nasty split fingered sinker, and I think it, I think it'd be good for the game just to see one of the hardest throwers in baseball. I think he leads he leads baseball in the number of 100 mile an hour pitches thrown this year. Um, not, yeah, that's what I was that's what I was getting at, Lavelle. That's exactly the point yeah. I was making. Yeah, that will be fans would like to see that stuff. They want to see uh, triple digits on that scoreboard under miles per hour. So 
Um, he was a guy I thought he had, had a good chance. I didn't think Buxton had a chance um, because he was just at the beginning of the slump too, when I was making my predictions. But then I heard through the grapevine that major league baseball was want, wanted Buxton to make the team really bad. So I'm guessing that they dropped some hints <laughs> to some people to make sure he got either support through the players vote or, uh, or maybe uh, whatever manager commissioner exemptions I have. Um, so um, they, they want to make bucks bucks to one of the faces of baseball and um, they're and buck, you know, unfortunately because of his injuries has not been able to stay healthy enough to put up numbers to earn such uh, uh, an appointment. But now he has this year and he'll get his time in the spotlight. And I, I'm yeah, saying I mean, about how many, time. how many home runs does he have? 20, 22, 23. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if you've got 23, 24 home runs at the all-star break and you're the best center fielder in the game, then uh, even if you're hitting 210, I think you go. I mean, I, I, yep. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's there. I mean, you know, you're, he's on a pace to hit 40 home runs and, and nobody plays any better center field. I think that's all-star worthy. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm fine with that. I agree with you completely. Uh, I have a Duran theory I want to run by you gentlemen. Uh, he's been – obviously, he's been very good. And as Lavelle said, he just had a couple of bad outings. But I do see times when he throws 100 to 103 and the hitter looks comfortable and sometimes even just turns it around. My theory, uh, let's start with Roy on this one, is if he would just throw a couple of those 103 somewhere near the chin uh, to uh, to you know, highlight the name of this show, if he gave him a little chin music, if he backed him off the plate a little bit, <laughs> his stuff would be absolutely unhittable. Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I don't think he's um, what we used to call effectively wild. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would, um, of course, you guys and listeners know, um, and Twins fans know what I feel, uh, how I feel about pitching inside. And I think um, he's got right now his controls too good. Uh, guys are uh, are a little comfortable. It doesn't mean they can catch up, but they're they're, they don't look leery, and uh, I think I think uh, once every other batter or two, uh, a guy ought to be uh, ought to see, you know, a hundred and two, uh, six inches six inches inside off the plate. I, I don't mean that he he should hit him. I don't think I don't mean he should he should flip him. I don't. I'm not talking about throwing it. You know, up. At, I'm not really talking about chin music and 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 watching a, a, a guy hit the dirt. I, I'm just talking about, I'm coming, uh, I'm coming in there, and see what you could want to do about it. Because if it's six or eight inches inside, it really gets their attention, and they don't really know if that's, if you want to just throw one in there, if he's trying to hit the inside corner. Either way, they they they, they are, uh, they are totally focused now. <laughs> it's got their attention. And um, it, it, interestingly enough, I think that uh, he could pro- he has to be very careful with that splinker that you're talking about. It, in my opinion, um, I, I think that the um, the splinker is enough slower uh, than his uh, than his fastball, and has enough difference in carry, and not enough not enough consistent downward you know downward movement that all of a sudden 96 or 97 looks like it looks like more more like a straight change to these hitters that are geared for 90 102 or 103 so i think he's i got i think he has to be selective 
when you can throw that splinker, you know, it where it's it's knee high and it, where it's it starts a strike on the uh, at knee high and goes to ball below the zone. I think it's wonderful. But other than that, I think it's 102 and sliders and 102 and sliders and I, and the 102 periodically has to be has to be inside. So yes, I agree. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, when you have, to, especially first of all, just in general, I'm just upset over the fact that pitchers today aren't being taught or coached to 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 pitch inside more to open up the other half of the plate for themselves. And to me, it it cuts across every type of pitcher. And when the Twins had um, Nick Blackburn and Scott Baker and Kevin Sloy, and I'm sitting here watching White Sox players pull pitches that are off the plate away from them into mm-hmm. the left, uh, into the upper deck. And I'm like, this has to stop, you know, um, put it in the hitter's mind that you may go in there. And that, that, that swings things in the pitcher's favor. Now, if you throw 102 and could do that, you're really putting some, something on their minds. And that would, that would just help Duran immensely. So uh, I wish we go in there a couple of times, uh, just, you know, just, do it, do it a couple of times. And even the advanced scouts are in the stands going, okay, he may throw inside, uh, be prepared. You know, that just puts the warning in everybody's mind that uh, I may get hit with a 102 mile hour pitch here. I better be careful. And that will help him out immensely. He's having a great year. I think he's exceeded expectations because no one knew one, if he's going to be uh, hold up because he had some uh, forearm issues last year and just being a rookie, being put in some high leverage situations, how do you handle it? But he's exceeded expectations. He was worth a conversation about going to the All-Star game. That tells you what type of year he's had already. And, um, you know, he's probably already setting up the list of, you know, most feared relievers in the league. And I think pitching inside would even enhance that reputation. Do you know who, uh, on a relative basis, who pitches inside? Who, what pitcher on the uh, Twins staff pitches inside better than anybody else? Devin, Devin Smeltzer. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pitches yeah. inside better than he's got eighty nine miles an hour, and he pitches inside better than anybody on the on the club, and that's the reason why he's been successful because he's he is not afraid. He understands somehow. I don't know whether he talked to hitters or whether he's smart and he watches uh, over time. He watches when he pitches in there what happens with his other stuff, but you know his ability to throw that you know couple of speed and trajectory with curveball and that really nice changeup. It's all good stuff. Uh, but it doesn't work unless he's unless he's willing to throw 89 miles an hour on the inside corner and and further in and inside corner and up. And he does that. He will just keep doing that. And and I've been really impressed. I think that's why he's been you know, he's got to be able to throw his, his secondary pitches in spots that he likes uh, that are going to be good. But he, he does that well. Uh, but it's all set up for the fact that he will pitch inside. And I love that about him. Yeah, great point. Great point. And I mean, there are a lot of similarities between the way, you know, Falvey and Rocco and this organization thinks. And even Tom Kelly thought uh, it's really where they came at it from completely different angles. But they ended up in the same place a lot as far as player usage. And, but the one thing that I see that's very different is TK, such they always wanted their pitchers be ready to throw inside and, and not hit people. It's not, it's not, the, it's not some old stupid macho game where you got to drill somebody and start a bench brawl. It's called moving their feet, move their feet, mm-hmm. make them put it. So they aren't dug in. So they aren't feeling comfortable. That's all you have to do. Well, and, and basically, and I personally, 
um, I didn't mind getting my feet moved. I, I, it wasn't it wasn't a, a question of digging in or not because I would I would dig back in after my feet were moved. But what it is if a guy keeps coming in with his best fastball on the inside corner or further, then it, it puts in my mind, oh, okay, I got to be ready to hit the the fastest speed that he's got the furthest out from the plate that I can because the contact point on an inside fastball for most guys has got to be you know much further out to hit it on the barrel than it is back over the plate or or uh, you know in the middle of the plate or outside and so it just gets guys in a hurry it gets the it gets the front side to start leaking a little bit guys start cheating to get uh, you know to get the big end out out in front. And, and that's when both of you now have said, you know, that opens up the outside part of the plate. That's why. Because when it, the reason it's open is because the hitter has already left the, he's left the outside. He's, 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 he's uh, totally focused on, on uh, closing the door on the inside and the outside's wide open. So uh, that's really the, you know, that's really the deal. And, and that's what I, why I've always said you have to, you have, if you can't get hitters in a hurry, then you got no chance. Good stuff. We're going to go to our music moment. I want to thank again Brian Burdett, our producer. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. John Krasinski's done some great stuff for us lately on the Timberwolves and all the big moves and the atmosphere at Summer League. Uh, Cheryl Reeve broke some news on our show, the Cheryl Reeve Show, the other day about uh, looking into Diana Taurasi's antics on the court. Uh, we just have a lot of good stuff on the network these days. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to advertise with this show or any of the other shows on the network, you can reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at TalkNorth.com. All right, my my uh, contribution to the music moment today, Gary Clark Jr. is coming to town. Google where, when and where. I don't have all the details, but I saw today that he's coming to town. And he's one of the great modern uh, fierce blues players. Uh, July 30th. Just, I've got it up right now. I saw the same thing, Jim. <laughs> yeah. He's fantastic. He's a great showman, a uh, great songwriter. He's just a blast. So I highly recommend him. Uh, Roy, do you have a music moment for us? Um, I don't know that I have a uh, moment other than a conversation I had with my son the other day, uh, Jeffrey, who uh, plays a little guitar, not not like you do, Jim, uh, on a regular basis, but he's 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 conversant at least. And he said, Dad, I listened to the podcast, and, and you know, Lavelle was talking about it, and, and Jim chimed in on Gary Clark. He said, you know you and I have listened to him. I said, yeah, I know. I think he's great. He goes, no, Dad, he's, 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 he's the best. You guys were talking about that he is uh, the best. And, and we were talking about that, and, and uh, he said, the reason he is for uh, – Jeffrey said, the reason is for me, and then said, and to you too, Dad, because I know this is the kind of blues you like. He can do incredible things uh, – uh, with uh, just from a virtuoso virtuoso standpoint with a guitar unlike you know almost anybody else but you still want to listen to the to the song he said yeah. he, stays, he stays within within the bounds of you bopping along to a song while you're absolutely astonished by what he's doing with his with his with his fingers and and you know I thought about that and he's right it's everything that you know everything that I like about um, about blues guitarists and Boy, I'd love to go see him. Gary Clark Jr. is going to be at the Hildy Performance Center in Minneapolis on Friday, July 29th. Uh, it's part of the party, a party in the park uh, deal with a bunch of other performers. But I saw Gary Clark Jr. at First Avenue, um, and he was fantastic. I didn't realize he was that 
He's real thin. He's real skinny. He's about six he five, six six, and real thin. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, when he starts playing, it's absolutely marvelous. Um, it was just fa- fantastic. I'm sorry we're all talking about the same guy, but it's I, okay. I was I was planning on bringing up Gary uh, for my moment here because I as someone had sent me to notice that he was coming to town and I got excited. So, um, but you know, um, bright lights, big city. Um, I can't remember the third rock from the sun or whatever it's called, something like that. Those are just a couple, couple bangers for me. And, um, if you, know, you... The, uh, Lavelle, the one, the thing that I can't find, and I, I was looking for it, uh, Jeffrey said to me, uh, see if you can find Virginia live. He said the stuff that he does live is, is unlike, you know, any of the stuff that he does on, you know, studio albums. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, so I, I was, I've been searching around YouTube and other places trying to find, you know, Virginia live and I haven't found it, but boy, if, if you run into that, let me know. Cause I, cause I really, I, I'd like to, I'd like to listen to that. Absolutely. I think he's done a version of come together too, which is pretty awesome. Yes. So. Yes. yes. That mm-hmm. is awesome. And one more great blues guitarist who's coming to town. I will mention is my part of the music moment. Uh, Walter Trout, the fierce, another fierce blues guitarist. Yes. Yep. Life. Uh, he's going to be at the Dakota, uh, July 29th. Oh man! I don't know what to do because you guys know that I'm a Walter Trout guy, but I, 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 I just encourage anybody out there, you guys included, you know, go as soon as you can and and uh, and listen to uh, me, my guitar, and the blues. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite. I, I mean, probably top five blues songs of, of all time for me. Good stuff. Well, we, now we know what to do with our social time. Uh, we're going to go watch Blues Guitarists. Uh, good stuff, gentlemen, as always. I appreciate it. A lot of fun. We'll talk to you next week. And thanks to everybody for listening to TalkNorth.com. <laughs>